Well, we've been saying during the series, Decision Fatigue, that when you make your decisions, your decisions make you. And there's a, an aspect about this that is incredibly important. Thank you so much. I brought my journals up here. Actually, John just brought them up. Because what we're talking about today is how this adventure with God is supposed to be just that. That God created you for a relationship with him. And his desire is to guide you into a life beyond what you could ever ask or imagine. And so what we're looking at is how God does that very thing. How he guides us. I've never seen God. I've never heard an audible voice. But I can tell you for the last 30 years, I have experienced God. And seen him in miraculous ways. Guiding me directing me, helping me, changing me. Now, I, these are all my journals. I started writing since 1988 uh, till the present. Uh, so 31 years of writing about uh, what God was doing and the struggles I was working through. And, and when we moved here, I lost them. Yeah, we moved here in December 2010. And for almost two years, I could not find these journals uh, until March of 2013, I found them in the bottom of a box we had not yet opened. And it was one of those miracles. I don't know if you like me, but a lot of my miracles are just finding things I've misplaced. <laughs> but, I, but I prayed for those two years to find them, and I finally did. But in the midst of that time when I didn't have them, I, I felt like God was saying, well, this is an opportunity to write a new story. The best is yet to be written. But I wonder, are you in the midst of a relationship with God that you would describe as an adventure? The scriptures tell us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it is impossible to please God without faith. Now, if you're here and you're just exploring this idea of faith, you're just trying to figure out what it's all about, it's important to understand uh, several things. God is primarily not looking to see if you can clean up your life and to be good enough. His first priority is not for you to be religious or even try harder. His first desire is that you have faith in him. Without faith, you cannot know God. No matter how hard you try to be good, faith is all you need to connect with God. Hebrews eleven six continues, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. See, it pleases God when we put our faith in him. The reason faith is so important to God is because love is God's main goal for us, to love him and to love other people. And the only way we can love God is by trusting him. And that's faith, that, that's trust, to have faith in what God says and to seek God. And that's how we love him, seeking him, pursuing that relationship with him. Because a relationship is what God wants, and we get to know God by trusting him more and more. And that's where wise decisions come to play. See, our relationship with God is just like any other relationship. Healthy relationships require effort. If you're not pursuing the people in your life, if you're not pursuing God, the default is you will drift. You'll drift in your relationship with your parents, with your roommates, with your spouse, with your kids, unless you're pursuing 
these relationships, you will drift. And as I've tried to live out these principles that we're talking about in this series, I've been blown away with how consistently God has shown himself. This unseen God has made himself known to me, guiding me in ways I would have never imagined. And he wants to do that for you. This can be true of all of us, to have a relationship with God. And so many of you in this room, I've known your stories. I've, I've seen you walk in faith, and it has inspired me and inspired others. And that's the beauty of community like this, is we actually help each other along the way. And so some of you know my story, and, and it's maybe similar to some of you. In fact, out of curiosity, how many of you grew up in the Bible Belt, Texas or the South? All right, several of us. For some of us, that may have created a, a strong foundation. For others of us, that may be why it's taken us a while to come back to church. And for me, growing up in Texas, I had parents uh, and grandparents that were from Texas. In fact, my uh, grandfather on my dad's side grew up in San Marcos, and my grandmother on my dad's side grew up in Kyle. Her, her father, my great-grandfather, was the justice of the peace in Kyle for 40 years. It was a tiny little podunk town. Now it's the suburb, home of our new campus, right? And we would drive way past Austin to get to Kyle. Right across the street from his old, old house is now another old house that's turned into a Shipley's Donuts. My, how times have changed. And my parents uh, both grew up in San Antonio. Their parents met on an Air Force base and introduced them to each other. And I grew up going to church And at the age of 10, something tragic happened. My grandfather, who grew up in San Marcos, had just retired. And him and his wife, my grandmother, they had a a, a lake home on Lake LBJ. And they'd go every weekend or so and, and visit. But now, at the age of 56, he retired early and they moved to the lake. Within a year, he died. All of a sudden. The next 20 years, my grandmother lived on that lake, in that lake house, all by herself. But I remember at the age of 10, going to my first funeral, seeing my father cry for the first time. It wasn't too long after that, in a Sunday morning, in the church I grew up in, there was an invitation at the end, and they would keep playing the song over and over till someone would finally go to the front. <laughs> but on this particular day, I remember I, I looking up And tugging on my father's lapel on his suit, because that was the kind of church we went to, and saying, Dad, I need to go to the front. You see, at the age of 10, I understood that I needed help. I needed God. Death and life was too big for me to figure out. I needed faith. And in my own little way, at the age of 10, in the the way I could understand at that point my faith had become my own. It was no longer just based on the fact that my parents took me to church every Sunday. In fact, I was in Lubbock at the time at Bacon Heights Baptist Church. Only in Texas would you have a church named after something so delicious, right? (laughs) But it was at that age that I decided to follow Jesus and I got baptized. Now, it's important to, to make this distinction. It's one thing to believe that there is a God And to believe that Jesus revealed God in a form that we can understand. But it's a whole nother thing 
to decide, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I need your forgiveness. I want you to lead me. And that's what I want to ask you in this moment. If you want to experience the life God's created to live, you have to come to the place where you're asking him to lead you to experience it. You might be here and you believe in God and and you know all the answers to the questions about Jesus, but have you stepped down as CEO of your life? Have you asked God to guide you, to lead you, to be the rightful center of your universe? That's the first decision of faith. It's all God needs to forgive us of all the wrongs we've done or will do that he might become our loving father. Here's the thing, though. God's not going to barge his way into your life and force you to love him or to obey him. And in fact, that's what's wrong with the world is we all are playing God. But instead, God allows this in hopes that we might come to him in the midst of our emptiness and pain from living life our way, that we might choose to follow him. And, and some of you, today, you're marking that moment of faith by getting baptized. That's what that little tank was when you walked in, in case you were wondering. It's not a hot tub. It's, it's not even lukewarm. Uh, it's, but it's a beautiful expression of what's already happened in our hearts. And when we celebrate and we watch people get baptized, we're reminded of that moment that happened in our life, that we were washed clean, that we were raised to walk a new life. And so for me, from the age from 10 to 17, I I believe I had faith, but I also started to realize eventually at age 15, 16, 17, that what I really wanted was God's forgiveness, but I was living very differently on Monday than I was on Sunday. And that was even different than Saturday night. And it took me a while to realize I was at camp. You heard us talk about camp. That's why camp is such an important thing. I was 17 years old, and that's when I moved beyond just God save my soul to God lead my life. That's supposed to happen simultaneously, but I think I was just a late bloomer when it comes to this. And so I started seeking God. I started spending time in prayer. I started spending time in the scriptures. I started serving others. I started talking about my faith and inviting my friends to come to our youth group and to our church. But here's the thing. I want you to hear that as you pursue God, God will reveal himself to you. God personally knows you and cares about you more than anyone else. He knows you better and loves and cares for you more than you could ever imagine. But we won't experience the divine adventure that God has for us unless we pursue him, unless we're seeking to grow and making our decisions as acts of faith, which is a reminder in this series, we're looking at these four principles. We're gonna go through them again. Principle one, where God commands, love obeys. So what happened for me is I started wanting to live for God And so I would read things in the scriptures. I would hear things in a message and we would be in a small group and we would discuss things and I I would want to change. I would want to do those things. But the problem was some things I couldn't seem to change. I had years of making bad decisions which led to bad habits. It led to struggles. And really, these journals are filled with me asking God for help, 
to, to change, to become a new person. See, when you start reading the scriptures, you'll see more and more clearly who God is calling us to be. And to pull that off, we're actually going to need God's help to do it. And so I thought we'd do something a little different today. Probably never do this again. May not even do it in the next service, depending on how this goes. Uh, uh, I'm going to just pick one of these and let's see what, what God was teaching me in that moment. All right? So uh, just someone shout out uh, one or two. All right, so two. Someone shout out one through ten. Three. Oh, no. This was a tough year. All right. Whoop. Okay, so this was 2010, August. I was flying from Atlanta to Los Angeles. Ah, at 4 a.m. on Wednesday, Pat Pedrosa called to let me know that Richard had passed away. I hurried over since she didn't want it. She didn't know what to do. On my way to her, I called Dave Otta because I didn't know what to do. I entered the room where his body rested. He looked so peaceful and even better than he had looked in years. I go on to talk about how his whole family was there. And in the midst of that, having to lean on someone to help me help this family in the midst of loss. You see, sometimes we don't know what to do and God brings other people in our life to help us help others. I remember at about age 17, 18, 19, this was the 80s. And if you ever watch movies from the 80s, it was, it was a raunchy time. <laughs> and I'm not recommending watching movies from the 80s. I started showing my kids some of my old favorite movies and I quickly stopped doing that. That <laughs> was not worth the effort. But along the way, at about that same time, I had discovered in the home of my grandfather, he kept some dirty magazines. And I'd found those magazines. And so all of a sudden, whenever I was reading the scriptures and wanting to live this new life, and yet I knew exactly where those magazines were, and I knew exactly how to find them, and no one knew that I had found them. And it was in the midst of that, that in one of my small groups with some of these other guys, these teenagers, I found this verse. It says this, 1 Timothy 5, Do not rebuke an older man, but appeal to him as to a father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. And so our friends and I decided until someone says to us, I do, then we won't. And we were going to treat women with respect, unlike what was happening in our culture. Realizing that every woman in those magazines, every woman on this planet is someone's daughter, is someone's sister. So we chose to treat women as we would want our sisters treated. Now I can tell you, working through that struggle at such a young age, I'm so grateful for my friends helping me through that. And even gaining confidence, going to my relative's house that had the bad magazines and not looking at them was such a, a great victory and something that I began to feel confidence and even becoming a different person. But I tell you, it's even more rampant now. It's even harder now. Al Gore had not yet invented the internet when I was struggling with this. And I want to just tell you, I, I've had many friends, uh, people I've talked to, uh, that I've sent to this website. It's a secular website, but it's very helpful. It's called Fight the New Drug. Org. It actually goes into the science behind the damage that pornography does to those who watch it. The damage it does in their minds and in their relationships. That's why we have things like Open Share Recovery on Wednesdays at 
Because there's no such thing as I'm not hurting anyone by doing this. We're hurting ourselves and we're hurting those we care about. But what starts to happen is when you decide to obey God, even when it's not something you want to obey, even when you're not sure, but when you read it in the scriptures and it's clear that it's something you're supposed to do, it actually helps you start changing. Now, here's what's interesting. The closer I've grown in my relationship with God, the further I realize I am from him. There are things that I used to struggle with that I no longer struggle with, and it feels like a distant memory. But there were things... I didn't even know then that I would be working on 30 years later. Generational sin, thoughts from passed down from generation to generation, learning to speak with kindness even when you're tired or angry, learning to walk as Jesus did, which leads to principle two, where there is no command, God gives freedom and responsibility to choose. When we have decisions to make, where God's word is silent, like what job to take or where to live or lots, there are lots of unclear decisions. God gives us freedom to choose. Now think about that for a moment. Could you imagine God told Adam and Eve, like we looked at in the first week, you can eat anything you want, just don't eat from this one tree. Do you know how annoying it would be if every time it was dinner time, they're like, hey God, can we eat from the pear tree? Yeah, of course, of course. The next meal, God, can we mash up these potatoes and eat from this 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 potato. Yeah, just don't spell it with an E. Of course, you know, you have complete freedom. Just enjoy. See, sometimes we're paralyzed because we take our freedom and we we expect God to, to speak clearly and he's already telling you, hey, I've given you a brain and common sense and as long as it doesn't go against God's word, you can move forward. There's a verse that we mentioned last week. I want to just bring it up again. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. See, he will give you the desires of your heart does not mean he will give to you that Lamborghini you've always wanted. It means he actually puts within you desires, things that only he would want for you. And this is crucial to to distinguish. Is this my humble heart wanting to please God or is this my own selfish desire? We mentioned this last week, Jeremiah 17. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. See, follow your heart is terrible advice. If you haven't tested your heart to see if you're humble and willing to follow God, you can actually go in all sorts of dangerous and painful directions. All right, let's pick one or two. Okay, I heard two first again. Now one through 10. Okay, I heard uh, nine. That's too recent. We'll do 10. I also heard 10. This is the one I'm working on now. I'll read that to you in 20 years from now. All right. So June 10th, 2002. Oh, uh, what an odd feeling I have today with Debbie's scheduled C-section tomorrow. What happened is by the end of the day, this little girl was born. Trevi was born on this day. I I wrote, if you don't know the story, our son Caleb was really sick and we were afraid. He he was fine by this point, but we were really afraid that this little one uh, might have problems too. And I wrote, at the same time, I feel peace. I'm so eager to meet our little girl. Seeing Caleb at almost three and watching him go through all he went through, you are a remarkable God. 
I'm so grateful for my wife. I'm so grateful for my children. I'm so grateful for our family. I went on to describe lots of people who'd been caring for us and taking, taking, us, taking good care of us in the midst of that. Whoever picked 10, uh, thanks a lot. <laughs> God is with us through the highs and the lows of life. Principle three, where there's no command, God gives us wise counsel and community. See, our hearts can lead us astray, and and that's why we need others speaking into our life, helping us. Life is too hard to try to live on your own. Walking with Jesus, you need other people in your life. That's why we talk about having spiritual running partners, other people who have faith that you meet while serving others with others. Maybe it's while you're serving with the production team or serving with the kids or, or serving with the connection team. Or maybe as part of a network, like our bridging neighbors that are doing the coat drive or our business leaders that are having Christmas party on the 8th or the Anchor, the 20-something network or our Gateway South Deaf Network or a new network we're starting next Sunday after the second service called the Health and Wellness Network. These are opportunities to get to know some people. And as you get to know them and let them get to know you, they can become those sources of encouragement. But it's wise counsel, spending time in the scriptures, praying, journaling, looking for signs and considering the circumstances, talking to wise counsel, having your own board of directors, which leads to principle four. When we have chosen what is moral and wise, we must trust the sovereign God to work all the details together for good. See, few people know 100% that they are making the right decision. And so when it comes down to it, you're moving forward, trusting what God says. It's actually an act of faith. I shared with you last week a little bit about our big move to Seattle. We'd grown up in Texas, Deborah and I, and two months after we got married, we moved to Seattle, a place we'd never been to in our entire life. And it was before the internet, so we hadn't even really looked it up to see what much about it other than what we could read in encyclopedias. And along the way, we... I, I was excited about this prospect because a friend had invited us to help him plant a church. And we were intrigued because apparently Seattle had more dogs than people who followed Jesus. And we started trying to figure out, is this where we're supposed to go? And so I saturated my mind with the scriptures, started reading through every word that Jesus ever said in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and reading the Psalms and Proverbs. And every time I'd come across a verse that seemed to indicate we were supposed to go, I'd write it down in my Bible, have a picture In fact, I've lost this Bible uh, too. But here's the picture of that page. And these were the verses that seemed to say, go to Seattle. Now, there was never a verse that started with an S and the next one started with an E and the next one started with an A. These were verses that said things like, if you leave your mother and father for me, I will bless you a hundred times over. Verses that say, the prospect of the righteous is joy. Verses about trusting God and following his leadership. Moving to Seattle was an incredible adventure. We got to explore the Northwest. We were there after the tragic death of Kurt Cobain. We got to go to Mariners games when A-Rod was on the team and Ken Griffey Jr. and Randy Johnson. Seahawks were terrible, but it was fun to be there. We went to Canada. We went to Portland. We just had so much fun exploring the Northwest. But it was also incredibly difficult. Right before we moved, they called to say, hey, I know we promised that we could pay you, but we can't. We'd still love for you to come. 
And we prayed about it. And I went back to those verses again. God, I thought you were guiding us here, but now suddenly we're not going to get paid. There were 12 angry senior citizens that were in the church building where we were planting this. And they were incredibly contentious and didn't like what we were doing. It was not nearly as easy or as fun as I thought it would be. In fact, one time we sold the pews in the chapel, not in the auditorium. And one of these older women came up to an intern and said, you know, pastors come and go, but pews are forever. We started calling them pew huggers respectfully. And it was about that time that I realized this was the greatest generation, the group that defeated Hitler. And I pointed out in a staff meeting, if they defeated Hitler, what chance do we have to defeat them? Now about that same time, as hard as it was, my wife, who did not get into the University of Washington the first time, did get in. And the irony of that whole thing was, if she had the first time, she would have had to pay out of state tuition, but now, because she didn't get in, she was now considered a resident. It was incredibly affordable, but I was eager to leave. I was eager to get out of Seattle. It was just a very difficult place to be, and we did not agree on what we should do. She was ready to go into the University of Washington. I was ready to get out of Seattle, Washington, and so not knowing what God wanted us to do, we stayed so she could complete her degree. And I'm so glad that we did because in the midst of that, I began to realize that just because you trust God and and move forward into what he's guiding you does not mean you're not going to have a hard time. In fact, you, you don't necessarily know this about me, but I'd worked at three churches in the four years of college. I bounced from one to the next to the next. And since college, I've worked in three churches in 25 years. That was a moment for me that I began to realize the importance of trusting God and taking steps of faith and persisting, persevering, even when things are hard. See, Romans 8.28 says it this way, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. See, when you start moving forward, trusting God, he will guide you and he will even redirect you if needed. If you're trusting wise counsel and you're trusting what you've read in the scriptures and you're trusting that God will be with you in the midst of that, it's important because we then begin to realize that God can move us. You see, you cannot steer a parked car. Start moving and God can direct you or redirect you. There's a passage And Acts 16 has got this great example from Paul's life. It says this, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I mean, this remarkable moment, it says the Holy Spirit kept them from one place, the Spirit of Jesus kept them from another, and a dream from God is what finally helped them find the way. You had the entire Trinity helping Paul figure out the right way to go. Now, I should tell you that there are ways that God speaks to us miraculously through signs and dreams. 
But you gotta weigh these kinds of things with wise counsel in the scriptures. And it's important to know God does not always guide in that way. And so if you're waiting for that miracle before you move forward, you may be waiting for a very, very long time. Sometimes God wants us to step out in faith. All right, we'll do this one more time. One or two. All right, one. One through ten. Okay, I heard six first. Oh, this is, this is ancient. Look at this. Oh, my goodness. Okay, this was like uh, 1991. Whoo, some of you weren't even born. All right, let's move into 92. Some of, more of you were born by then. Uh, let's see. Let me just find one that I can read. I wrote really small back then. Um, oh, here's an interesting... Okay, quick thought. I have a whole bunch of prayer requests that I've written out here. And I went back and I highlighted them yellow uh, once they were answered. I don't know if you can see that. And, and what's so fascinating, and this is almost sad to admit, some of these things which meant so much to me then, I don't even remember now. <laughs> they were so concerning. I wrote all this stuff down. I don't even know who Brett Harrell is. No offense, Brian Davis. I don't remember you. <laughs> See, when you walk with God, he guides you and helps you. And I'm telling you, he listens to you in the midst of that. God will guide us in the right way. And sometimes the right way will lead to hardship. For example, Jesus. Jesus had a decision to make. The easy decision would be to not tell everyone who he really was. But instead, he made the right decision. And he told people who he was, the Son of God, the Messiah, knowing very well that that would mean dying on the cross, which he willingly did. So the band is going to come up. They're going to lead us in a song. And during that song, I want you to reflect on what your next step is. But what I want you to do in this moment is to consider where are you at with God? Are you trusting him in every way? Because God wants to guide you. He wants you to experience the plan he has for your life even more than you do. And so making a decision, stepping out in faith, knowing he will redirect you, surrounding yourself with others to help you in the journey, stepping out in faith, spending time in the scriptures, doing what you know is right even when you don't feel like it. These can help you move forward. And so for some of us, maybe our next step is You've decided to follow Jesus and you want to share that with the the world through baptism. We have several signed up after the second service and we're just going to... After this service, if you're wanting to be baptized, just go right over to the table and we'll still baptize you today. You just take your phone out of your pocket. We'll give you a towel you can take home. But maybe your next step is there are people that God's put on your heart to invite to join us over the Christmas season. That's why those cards are in your chair. Maybe there's a big decision that you've been trying to figure out, but you haven't entrusted it to God. Whatever God's next step for you is, you need to know, even when you cannot see what's next, you can trust that God is with you and will guide you.